Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome back to another edition of the Hang Time Podcast. You may Matt Seku Smith in Atlanta. John Schumann himself in New Jersey. John Hart's behind the glass, making it all happen. We are here to break down not only the, uh, the goings-on on Wednesday night, briefly here, but also we're going to take a deep dive this week on the Milwaukee Bucks. Happy birthday, Giannis Antetokounmpo, all of 24 years old and making noise like nobody's business in the NBA. Shoot, Wednesday night was nothing short of spectacular around the NBA. Um, the Sixers and Raptors went at it with the Raptors winning 113-102. Kawhi Leonard once again in a marquee matchup, showing that he is the difference for the Toronto Raptors. LeBron James scores 20 of his 42 points in the fourth quarter to lead the Lakers past the Spurs, who are now in 14th place with a record of 11-14. and 14. That playoff streak shoot is on shaky ground. We're we'll gonna talk. have to have a we're gonna have to have a Spurs discussion at some point <laughs> in the next couple of weeks. Are you are you ready to write the eulogy already? I'm ready. I'm 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 ready. I've got the you know the playoff streak numbers cool. down, ready to put that thing to bed. You're a cruel, cruel man, John Schumann. Paul George, shoot, I'm I'm ready to start the argument. Who's the real MVP in Oklahoma City? Mr. Triple Double, Russ Westbrook. He's up to third on the all-time list, passing your boy Jason Kidd with his 108th career triple-double in the win over Brooklyn, but it was Paul George. Took the pass from Russ with three seconds left to seal the game with a huge three-pointer. PG went off 25 points in the fourth quarter, a franchise record for points in a quarter for the Oklahoma City Thunder to get that win. And Poor I, I Nets. Mean, Poor Nets. I mean, well, they are just... <laughs> their end-of-game execution has been deplorable. They have two of the three just most brutal last-minute meltdowns of this season and yeah. that doesn't include them losing a 23 point lead and then getting beat by Paul George in the final seconds last night. So. It's just brutal. I mean, I don't, I don't even know how you console uh, Kenny Atkinson after some of these losses. What do you, you know, how do you explain it? You got a number two pick in a draft sitting over there who you can't trust, you know, at crunch time. I thought that was a horrible shot. D'Angelo Russell chucked Oh, up. he had to wait like five. He could have waited five or six more seconds to yeah. put up the same exact shot, and yes. then they give give OKC less time to work with. And, yeah. and then and then I mean, Paul George slipping that screen for Westbrook is is fairly elementary stuff at this point, and you know you can't. It's just you know the communication between the two guys guarding that two those that that uh, those two guys was just poor. Yeah, and he had time to catch, game catch, set, uh, put down like a rhythm Perfect. dribble. And, yeah. yeah, I mean that's that was that was textbook stuff. First time Paul George has, has nailed that shot in that scenario after what was he Owen fourteen Owen Owen fifteen like his that. career something like that. Okay, um, good for Billy Donovan who called timeout with Westbrook getting like a live rebound and eight seconds left. Uh, who called? He, you know Donovan called timeout and we're like, uh oh, he just gave. Up, you know, he just uh, pat, punted on a Westbrook in the open court situation, but he drew up a play that that obviously worked to perfection. Yeah, so I mean, again, the Wednesday night action in the NBA this season has been 
outlandish. And and this was no difference. The Bucks stormed past the Pistons shoe, got a big win with Eric Bledsoe leading the way with 27 points. They're now 16 and seven, second best record in the East after being at the top of the Eastern Conference standards for a long stretch. Giannis has been at the top of the Kia race to the MVP ladder for the last month. Is this, you know, and as I mentioned, it's his birthday. He's all of 24. Um, is, is this sustainable? Not only his performance, but the Bucks being one of the top two or three teams in the Eastern Conference all year? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think Boston's going to, you know, put themselves back in that conversation. And so I think it's just – it's a four-team grouping right now. And I think before the season, we, we put Boston, Toronto, and um, – Philadelphia up ahead of everybody else but I think the Bucks have joined that group and are part of that group at this point and I think we can include them in that conversation and I can't wait for the Eastern Conference semifinals if that's the if that's the group and everybody's healthy I think that's going to be that's it'll be a be nice final four it'll be nice. head knocking for yeah, sure I, I cannot wait for that and and you know we still got a long long way to go but um, it's nice to be able to anticipate you know, that kind of uh, a scenario in the Eastern Conference, even though uh, once you get below those four teams, um, teams are hurting. Yeah. You're not feeling good about the rest of the field in the Eastern Conference? <laughs> I, uh, I got a peek at the Wizards on uh, Monday <laughs> against the Knicks, and they've won – I think they've won – I'm not sure. They won three three straight? Hold on. Let me check my uh, standings. Really. Uh, you don't have to – you don't need many fingers for how many they've, they've won. They've won three straight, but – it's like they beat the Nets, they beat the Knicks, and uh, they beat another bad team last night, Wednesday night. It's it, and that that Knicks game was exactly it was like they played twenty minutes of good basketball and they got away with it. Like they were down uh, double digits late in the second quarter. They had a really good third quarter. They played well for the first half of the fourth quarter. Got up sixteen, and then they almost blew um, that lead. So. I was like, wow, they just like literally they got away with playing 20 minutes of geese and basketball against bad, you know, a bad. And that's basically been the same scenario basically against Brooklyn. And, uh, you know, last night they beat Atlanta. Right? Yeah. I mean, I'll have you know, I went to shoot around, by the way, um, and, and got a chance to talk to Scott Brooks briefly. They were bopping around like a team that, that had no idea how bad they are at shoot around. So I was wondering what was different. And then I found out, I noticed John Wall wasn't there. And then we found out later, obviously, that he wasn't going to play. Shoot, what is it about them when John Wall's not around that everybody else seems to to feel so free? And I and I don't know if it's just coincidental or what, but I mean, I don't. I'm not pointing fingers at Wall, but I mean, they they talked about it last season that everybody quote everybody eats when John Wall isn't around, and and how different the flow is. Is it that simple? I, I don't – I'm I'm not going to speculate on the, the sort of chemistry part of that. I will say that watching them against the Knicks, I was impressed with Sadoransky. I mean, he barely scored any points, but his effort was, you know, much better than anybody else on that roster. Like, he was just playing hard. And I think he was like a plus 15 in that game, a team best plus 15 in that game against the Knicks. Um, that guy played – I mean, he, and, and they – you know, they're starting him at – small forward now basically and he I think he makes things work with that team he plays hard does sort of the right things you know doesn't have the talent obviously as their top two or three guys but um you know just like next time you watch the Wizards just keep an eye on Sadoransky and how much uh an impact he can make without 
without even having the ball in his hands all that much. He, I mean, he kind of had that effect last season, didn't he, during the stretch where he, yeah. he was kind of pressed into service and, you know, played really well and people kind of, you know, opened some eyes and people were saying, man, you know, like in a pinch, Sadoransky is exactly what the Wizards needed. Um, yeah. I mean, I, tweet, I, tweeted, I tweeted out that John Wall defensive possession on Monday. Yeah, that, that was – Got a little bit of um, – viral uh, buzz but uh that, that was one of your famous plus minus <laughs> tweets and that one was definitely yeah, minus I, yeah I gotta be uh be more careful about how negative I've been lately but <laughs> you know and, and but Wall had a, a terrific second half offensively and and even like the first possession of the third quarter it's almost like somebody showed him that at halftime and and in the first possession of the third quarter he came out and was active and on the ball in an on the ball sort of defensive situation so right he I mean it it comes and goes and obviously he has an incredible amount of talent and and can make an impact offensively I still think he's one of the best passers in the NBA but at this point this team shouldn't have effort that comes and goes you know it's got to be it's got to be more consistent and when they play tougher teams what has passed over the last few games is not gonna you know be enough they're too they're too much of a veteran crew to have the, I mean, I watched that cut that you put on Twitter and it was, it was bad. Um, you know, because it wasn't just a lack of effort. It was like a supreme lack of effort coupled with absolutely no awareness, you know? Well, yeah. People compared it to that Otto Porter play from several years ago. You know, where, where he's, and... Yeah. He totally spaced out. Right. Right. But then once he realized that he spaced out and realized where his guy was, he ran, he sprinted to the other side of the floor, right, to go find him. Wall just sort of stood there and never moved. And yeah, like, he did, he he did the LeBron it. Matador he, defense he, thing. He was, that, yeah. Yeah, it was his man shooting the ball in the other corner, but just – Still didn't care. He was like, all right, whatever. I guess I guess I messed – you know, just <laughs> – all right, our ball now, you know, that type of thing. And at least, you know, uh, Porter, once he realized that – I mean, he just blanked out. And then once he realized what was going on, he showed some effort on that play. I'm not. I'm not sure. Uh, again, we we've already kind of done the autopsy on the early season Wizards. I don't know the, how many more ways we can say it. If you if your best quote unquote best player has the issues that John Wall seems to have sometimes with focusing and just locking in and being at his best, how do you expect the rest of those guys to to circumvent that? I mean, they they can't. Yeah, I don't. I don't feel like there's somebody who's going to buck the order in that locker room and challenge John Wall in the way that he maybe needs to be for them to get right. And then maybe that's going to be the ultimately going to be the thing that takes him down is that they just don't have somebody willing to go at John Wall the way you need to. Wall and Bill, to me, have done a great job taking care of their relationship and making sure that they have the right kind of uh, you know give and take. But you almost need Beal to challenge John Wall for that locker room, to me, you know, in order for there to be a change. Possible. I mean, we saw that with the Fred Hoiberg firing how, you know, some of the issues were that, you know, he wasn't fiery enough to uh, yeah, yeah. hold guys accountable. True, true. We said it was Giannis's birthday, shoot. So what better time than to check in? On the books, get get kind of a a nice early season. You know, we're not doing an autopsy on the Bucks because I think they're going to be around. We don't have to worry about cutting them all the way open. But uh, Matt Velasquez of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel 
joining us on the Hangtime Podcast today to talk Bucks, to talk Giannis, and and everything that's going on up there. Fear the deer. John Hartzell is all too happy to uh, to hear about his Bucks on the pack podcast. Matt, how you doing, man? And uh, are you getting any rest early season covering the team that's keeping the headlines going the way the Bucks have? Yeah, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. I, the Bucks have uh, they've been treating me okay so far. I think they've been getting some headlines and. And doing some different things, uh, obviously after a really good start uh, to the season. I think things will get a little bit crazier uh, with when the schedule starts to kind of pick up for them. They've already had a tough schedule, but they've had a lot of games at home. So that's, that's been nice for sleeping in your own bed. <laughs> I'm going to start with the uh, the strange news first. What's going on with Chris Middleton and Bud? Like, is this a thing where Bud is trying to get under his skin in a good way and and kind of massage him into playing defense the way he wants? Or is this a deal where they're not seeing eye to eye and maybe need to have a, a meeting of the minds right quick to make sure they get on, on the same page? Yeah, I, I think it was more of a one-time situation on Saturday where, you know, you, you can watch the game again and you can easily pick out a handful of plays where Middleton just wasn't given the, the, the requisite intensity, especially on defense, going lazily for rebounds and, you know, not closing out, not getting back as quickly as he needed to, not communicating defensive assignments, all, all things like that. I don't think it's like an endemic problem. Um, you know, they, they sat down together and, and watched film and talked it out on Monday. You know, everything was seemed to be fine. Everything was, you know, totally solved. And then they were, the, the team was surprised um, by, you know, the finding out, like, you know, Bud didn't find out until 90 minutes or 80 minutes before the game on Wednesday. Uh, the Milton wouldn't be with the team due to a, a, a personal situation for Wednesday's night against the game against the Pistons. So, I mean, if if Saturday hadn't have happened, I don't think there'd be any any issues with, with him missing the game last night. Or if he missed the game at a different time this season, I don't think there'd be any issues. But in talking to people, you know, kind of around uh, around the team, um, it's it's not something that's at all linked to what happened on Saturday. And Everything is fine basketball-wise. Just that he had a personal situation that came up and needed to attend to. Matt, what's um, what do you think is making Eric Bledsoe, or why is he having his sort of best season or a much better season with the Bucks than he did last year, and especially um, after a, a, a sort of a rough uh, playoff performance? What's gotten into him? You know, I think every time we've talked to Eric this season and asked him about differences and changes and kind of what, what's going right for him, his answer is usually just, it's Bud. You know, he, he says that, um, you know, Bud, the way that he coaches and the way that he kind of um, schemes, you know, Eric really kind of took to all of that. You know, he, he likes the, the freedom that he has and the trust that the team has in him uh, running the point, especially at the end of games, where he can go out there and just do what he does best, which is, you know, attack the rim, kick out to shooters, um, you know, just make plays. And this year, one thing that's been, you know, noticeably different, especially on offense, is that he's mostly cut out the mid-range shot from his shot profile, which last year I know there were a lot of people scratching their heads over the number of, you know, kind of random mid-range twos he would take uh, instead of driving all the way to the, to the hoop or, you know, staying out around the three-point line. It seems like he's found his sweet spots kind of around the, uh, you know, the, around the break or on, on the wing uh, for three-pointers. His his layups have, you know, continued to be a dominant part of his game. And, and the team has really just kind of put the ball in his hands and trusted him. And so when he's given that freedom and he's given the, the challenge, because he's, he's said a few times in the past that he likes to be challenged, he likes to be pushed. 
and so giving him the responsibility on defense to you know defend the, the team's best guard or uh, or most athletic guard he he will kind of, you know he likes to rise to that challenge uh, so I think he's just locked in I think he feels valued and well used uh, on both ends of the court and you know it's really showing in his play Matt, when you're talking about this kind of change for a team where, you know, they, they go in one offseason from a team we're all wondering about, like, are they going to figure it out? Will it, will it change and will they take that next step to, boom, they jump out early this season and look like a completely different group, playing a totally different way and an effective way around Giannis. Is it as simple as Mike Budenholzer putting a different set of eyeballs on their situation, tweaking some things and, and moving some things around? Or is this something maybe that's more deep-rooted? Is this about Giannis, his work ethic, and, and the kind of grind that you have to have internally in your locker room to get better? You know, I, I think it's a mix of both. I think that you see a lot of it is coming from the coaching change. I think everybody who's watched the, te- the, the Bucks over the past few years has thought, wow, this team has a lot of talent. Why aren't they better? You know, they have all these long, athletic guys. Why is their defense so bad? You know, they have a bunch of you know, seers and, and guys who can, you know, you can fit around the honest. Maybe they didn't have enough seers last year and bring in, you know, the free agents they did and, the, and Donnie DiVincenzo as a rookie. Um, you know, those guys who all, all of them shoot threes, you know, maybe that, you know, that, that's definitely been a big help. You know, but they had the pieces. They had, they had the, the skeleton of a team that, that should have been better. And so getting that, that new set of eyes in there and getting Budenholzer to, to install a system, I mean, those guys really – kind of jumped on it early. I mean, starting from the, the summer where they got together as a team back in August for a week in New York, and then they were together a lot in Milwaukee before training camp, really trying to build on team's chemistry and start to, you know, put into practice the stuff they were already starting to learn from, from Bud and his staff. You know, and then you look at the, the way that having a new, a new coaching staff, a new voice can affect you. I mean, I think Jason Kidd, you know, he, he had their ear. He had the team's ear for you know, at least the first year or two that he was there. But then over time, it just didn't catch the same way it had. And, you know, people maybe didn't respond in the same way they had in the past. Um, and so when you have a coach come in and, and Budenholzer has been really big on talking about building confidence and positivity. And yes, like there's got to be times where he has to, you know, get on guys. But if you if you have the foundation of things coming from a place of positivity first and confidence building first and, you know, no players knowing that there's not a short leash, like that they can shoot open shots and not have to look to the bench and see if they're going to get pulled out. You know, he's, he's cool with them taking open shots, even if they miss, you know, one, two, three, four, five in a row. So just, there's a, a, just a different dynamic, different feel. And, and I think that, you know, a lot of that is credit to Button and obviously the players themselves deserve a lot of credit uh, for the way they've adapted to it. And, and you mentioned Giannis, you know, his work ethic is something that, you know, when you have a leader of a team and he's kind of setting the tone by being in the, in the practice facility all the time, uh, I think there's, a, there's definitely a trickle-down effect. Matt, is there any hope for the Thon Maker fans out there that he's going <laughs> to take advantage of this um, new playing time with John Henson out for, what, like most of the season, I guess? Um, Man, I was a Thon Maker fan. Was it the end of his rookie year? Kid just sort of threw him in the starting lineup, what, the second half of his rookie year, and the Bucks sort of took off. And then he had, a, I thought, some really good moments in the playoffs. And then ever since then, it's been a disappointment. But now this sort of hence, this Henson injury provides him like another opportunity to, to 
do something. What's the sort of early returns on his um, getting back in the rotation? Yeah, I was just talking about it yesterday, and obviously you were there for the for the playoff series against the Raptors, and yeah. um, you know it's it's just strange because Don always gets up to like, for the playoffs. He always gets up for the Raptors, and then last night he had a pretty good game against the Pistons, and we were saying, well, maybe he just has a thing about Dwayne Casey. Like, who knows? <laughs> like, but but he, but he's just been you know inconsistent. Like, he was supposed to take that step uh, last year. You know, Jason Kidd at the start of the year put him in the starting lineup to start the season. That lasted all of like eight games, and uh, then he had kind of an up and down year for the rest of the year. He he never really knew his role, and it really felt like you know anything had clicked. Uh, and you would look at Mike Budenholzer's system and say, okay, you know, high high energy, high effort on defense. Not necessarily that you have to you know like in kid system, we're trapping and running all over. But you know, he just wants you to be engaged on defense, which you know Don very much can be, and you know. Spread the court for Giannis, shoot threes, you know, do do the little things. It's like okay, those things should fit uh, Don Maker's like situation, but he still has a little bit of that inconsistency to work out. I think sometimes he is too aggressive for the defensive scheme, and that can kind of put him and other guys out of position. Um, he still obviously needs to get stronger and become a better rebounder because if he's going to be the man in the middle for the Bucks, whether it's next to Giannis or as part of a bench unit or something, um, he's going to have to pull down rebounds. Uh, last night against the Pistons, there was a little bit of him at the four uh, next to Brooke Lopez just because they didn't have Henson. Or suddenly Soba was out. Giannis needed a rest. They just don't have enough bodies in the front court uh, to put out there. So they were trying some, some new and different lineups. But I think that there's still time for Thon. I think, he, you know, he shows in, in fits and spurts just how valuable he can be uh, either by, by shooting threes or by just bringing energy off the bench and making – you know, kind of winning plays either on the offensive or defensive end in key moments of games. But, you know, you'll have one game where he'll he'll do all of that, and then the next game he'll get out of position on defense. He'll be kind of running around almost like a chicken with his head cut off and and not not really be able to, to rein all of his, like, kind of his excitement or passion. He can't rein it all in and, and make it work, and then he just doesn't get as many minutes. So the, the trick for him is finding that consistency and finding, you know, a way to be a regular contributor instead of somebody who has these kind of peaks and valleys. Yeah, I mean, I'm still holding out hope, but the Bucks also have, the uh, like, the Ilyasova at center option with their second unit, you know, that, you know, if, if he doesn't have it, they can always just say, all right, you know, you, you, they can give him, like, a five-minute trial in the first half, and if, if, if he doesn't have it, then they can always go to the sort of Ilyasova at center or even Antetokounmpo at center. And they've done that. Like they, they've given him the the one run in the in the first half, usually in the second quarter, see what they're going to get, and then you know Budenholzer might be like, all right, tonight's not a Thon night. Let me just go to to Giannis or Ursan or whoever else at center with the second unit instead of you know when Brooke Lopez needs a time uh, to rest. So yeah, they've been trying that, and you know he needs to to earn those minutes in, in the second half of games. My uh, my uh, intensity level about Thon Maker has, you know. <laughs> ebbed and flowed, you know, in the draft process, I was intrigued. You know, I was like, man, you know, he had, he had kind of that urban legend feel to him. Uh, then we get a chance to watch him and you say, boy, you see the talent, the length, the athleticism, you know, what he could be. Felt like he didn't reach the point that I thought he should or could under kid. Now it'll be interesting to see what Bud does with him. Another player, Matt, uh, in a similar situation right now is Malcolm Brogdon. People, you know, obviously were excited about him after a killer rookie year. 
what's his level of comfort in Bud's program right now? And, and is he in danger of being one of these guys who doesn't fall in line and, and, and take that next, next step under Bud? Yeah, I think right now uh, all, all signs are positive. Uh, well, maybe not all signs, but most signs are positive. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's shooting the lights out from three. And I think that, you know, maybe he's a little bit more reticent to shoot than some other guys. But he's he's kind of warming up to the idea that he just needs to be uh, willing and able to just throw up catch and shoot threes when he is in rhythm and in the right spots because he's shooting like forty seven percent from three this season. Um, yeah, I haven't checked the numbers recently after last game, but um, he's really high up there and he's he's got a good shot and the Bucks need him to provide that shot because it's a it's a weapon. Um, the, the issue for him has been kind of finding. Um, his spots for for play creation because he can be a dynamic force when it comes to attacking the hoop and exploiting uh, teams off of pick and rolls and and kind of just finishing at the rim and when he when he's on and when he's doing that decisively you know he he's a, been very good but when he's been holding the ball for for longer or when he's been dribbling a lot you know, it, it doesn't come off the same way. He needs to um, to make those quick decisions. Uh, otherwise, you know, the offense kind of has had a, you know, uh, a trend maybe of of stagnating with him. If he if he becomes a ball stopper and and tries to kind of go on his own to to make shots and make layups, it, it hasn't translated well. I think he's shooting like twenty five percent. On, on shots where he's dribbled six or more times or had the ball for six or more seconds. You know, but outside of that, he has been lights out. So if he can kind of find his niche as kind of the second um, – usually on the second side, usually mm-hmm. most of the action will be on the, the Giannis but the Middleton side, and he can kind of work work from the backside. If he can get cuts to the hoop for, for easy baskets or be able to catch and immediately two dribbles right to the hoop and go strong, um, that's really kind of the best version of him. And I think he – is starting to realize that over the course of the season and has been a really valuable asset for the Bucks. Yeah. Huge weekend coming up, Matt, obviously. Uh, the Warriors in town for a Friday night showcase game at Toronto on Sunday. Culturally, you got a new building, kind of a new energy with Bud there, the, the great start. How big a weekend is this for the Milwaukee Bucks this season in terms of making a statement, not to the rest of the league, but to themselves, maybe them, understanding where they fit in in the bigger picture around the league do these games mean as much to them as it's it seems they would looking at it just on the schedule I I think so I think they recognize what the significance of this weekend is obviously they've already played both these teams they beat the Warriors in Oakland um in back in November and they they beat Toronto in late October of of course you know Giannis Edithumbo and Kawhi Leonard didn't play in that game so that that kind of throws off anything you want to take from that game. But I think they recognize just what the challenge is in front of them. They've been a team that's been really good about getting up for, for tough teams uh, during the season. And they've been really good at bouncing back from losses. I mean, they're 7-0 and coming off a loss uh, with, with their win over Detroit on Wednesday night. So they, they've been really good about locking in for each game. And, uh, you know, it's just been a different feel around the team. Mm. Because, you know, in the past, you can maybe get like two, three losses in a row. You're like, okay, let's turn this around. And that, that immediately comes off of one loss, maybe a you know, close game. And they're like, oh, no, we definitely did not do what we need to do. We need to turn this around right now. And, like, they, they have that urgency about them. And, and Giannis has been pretty consistent in saying, hey, 
that's how great teams act. And we don't want to be a good team anymore. We want to be a great team. And so that's what we need to do. And so in order to be a great team, we also need to beat some great teams. And right now, you know, Golden State and Toronto are, are two of the great teams in the league. And so getting a chance to play them on Friday and Sunday, I'd be very surprised if the Bucks weren't up and, uh, you know, focused for both of those games. That's a good point. Um, Matt, we don't uh, let our guests get away from here without uh, getting in the John Schumann torture chamber. He gives us a Schumann stat every week, a trivia question that I'm usually incapable of answering. Someone needs your help this week. Shu, what's the Schumann stat? And let's see if we can uh, get Matt to step up to the plate and knock this thing out. All right. So you guys know uh, Giannis is averaging 18.6 points in the paint per game uh, this season, which would be the most since Shaq averaged 19.6 in 2002-03, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, Shaq, in fact, is the only player to have averaged at least 16 points in the paint per game in the 22 years for which we have, you know, points in the paint, you know, shot location. So we can determine points in the paint versus points versus outside the paint. Mm-hmm. So the question is what four players in those 22 years have averaged at least 16 points from outside the paint <laughs> in a single season? Oh boy. Ooh. From outside the paint. From outside the paint. 16 points per game from outside the paint in a single season. Four guys have done it in single seasons. The, uh, one of those guys is doing it again this season. Stephen Curry. Stephen Curry. I was going to say, Steph, Steph Curry's got to be one. I'm cheating. I just get, I knew Steph. Right. I'm getting that out the way. Matt, it's on you from here on out. In, fif- in 15, 16, Curry averaged 17.4 points in the paint per uh, outside the paint. That's the highest number uh, in these years, except this year he's averaging 18.8 points Ooh, from outside the paint per game. All right, three other guys, all of them uh, no longer playing. All, all of them retired. Two of them already in the Hall of Fame. One uh, not yet because he's not yet eligible. Kobe Bryant. This is Kobe Bryant. Correct. Two thousand five oh six. Seven. You got to be a gunner. To, I mean, and I don't mean that in a bad yeah. way. But you kind of don't you, Matt? Don't you kind of have to be a gunner to to average those? Oh yeah, you got to be someone who just shoots <laughs> at, at will. Yes, Kobe Bryant. Two thousand five oh six. Did it? All right. Remember, this goes back to ninety six ninety seven. Ninety six ninety seven. What about what about Allen Iverson? Nope. Dang it. All right. This doesn't include free throws too. So like Iverson right. would get some his at some Okay. Uh Re- Reggie Miller? Nope. Who else I'm trying you gotta be a very specific kind of gunner to average those kind of numbers outside the paint. What about Kevin Durant? Nope. Dang it. All right. Hmm. Shoot, you, you're good. Two guys retired. Remember, I said they were both. Oh, retired. That's right. Both these guys are in the Hall of Fame. Kobe, Kobe's retired. On his way to the Hall of Fame, right. Okay. And both these guys are in the Hall of Fame. One uh, very recently. The other one uh, several years ago was in the Hall of Fame. What about Ray Allen? Nope. He uh, came close. 15.6 okay. one year, 2005-06. Uh, All right. One guy is did it in 96-97. So think who was a great player in 1996-97. He was more of a mid-range guy. I was going to say it wasn't the, yeah, it wasn't the three-point era. Think, so. uh, turnarounds from the uh from the post. Come in on. The Hall of Fame. Okay. In the Hall of Fame, uh arguably the best player of all time. 
<laughs> oh, Michael Jordan. What? Michael, Michael Jordan. Jordan, yes. Are you serious? Yeah, 16.8 points from outside the paint in 96-97. Well, I wouldn't have guessed Jordan. Other guy it's, led the league in – It's so obvious just to guess Jordan. That for everything, not yeah. Just guess Jordan for every category. The, um, other, the other guy led the league in scoring at least once. I don't think this was a year – this was not his highest scoring year, but this was 2003-04. Mm-hmm. Average 16. Tracy McGrady? Tracy McGrady, correct. Ah, yes. We made it. So Curry, Kobe, Michael Jordan, Tracy McGrady. Are your Matt, four you guys. see what I go through? You, you see what I deal with around here? Having to hang out with John Schumann on a regular basis? <laughs> that was it's, fun. It's hard. <laughs> that took a lot of digging, by the way. I'm glad we were able to get it in because I took a, a – <laughs> took some work to put that one together so we appreciate it she was always with the schumer staff matt by the way i we haven't had a chance to meet in person man but i've enjoyed your coverage um you know great stuff on the bucks and a, a super interesting season i think cooking up for them um hopefully we'll get a chance to see you down the road and talk to you again um that team you know i i don't know you know what bud has in store for them going forward but having watched Bud and what he can do with the right kind of talent, you're going to have a nice ride on your hands um, with that Bucks team in the next few seasons with Bud in control. I'm, I'm curious to see. There was so much chatter about Giannis and whether or not he would be long for, for Milwaukee. And it's funny to me how all of that has quieted down all of a sudden. Like, you know, you don't hear that conversation at all anymore. He, he looks like the face – of that franchise for years to come. So we'll enjoy watching you cover that and, and provide everybody with all that good insight on the Milwaukee Bucks. We appreciate you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate the, uh, the kind words. and I'd love to, to come back anytime. Awesome. Matt Velasquez of the Milwaukee journal and sitting up, join us here on the hang time podcast. We're off on Monday. I'm on the road on a little secret assignment, um, but John Schumann's power rankings will still be on NBA.com bright and early as always. Make sure you check those out. Give him some grief about it. I don't know what his email address is, but you can always attack him on Twitter. We'll be back on Thursday for another deep dive on a different team around the league. And uh, make sure you subscribe to Hangtime on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts for new episodes all season long. Don't forget to leave a comment, and we will see you right here next time on the Hangtime Podcast.